0: Your penis pump, uh, game, uh, yeah. insertion points, uh, <laughs> uh yeah, that's fair. Better not be regretting me on the
1: bell.
0: Punch you I just need some goddamn stingers. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Super Serious Social Justice. This is Olivia, your co-host number one. I will be joined later in this episode with my co-hosts two and three, Courtney Kupfer and Brianne Bilyeu. Again, I'm talking weirdly, as I tend to do when I narrate alone, but here we are. I'm surrounded by cats and a glass of wine, so you get what you get. Also, I've been working since 7 a.m. It's now 7.30 p.m. Things are going to get weird. Anyway, welcome to one of our mini-sodes. These are the every other week episodes that are a little bit shorter than our main episodes, where each of us contributes usually two small segments uh, that are related to things going on in the world today. We do it to keep you up to date because social justice is something that is pretty much continually relevant and almost always has news items. And we uh, really just got sick of having our main episodes co-opted by the news and particularly by a certain someone who is our president. Wow, that was a long intro today, sorry about that. Um, A couple housekeeping notes. First of all, me, myself, and I uh, curated an Earbuds Collective podcast list this week. So if you don't know, Earbuds sends out a weekly email, and it is curated by one person who picks a theme and suggests five different podcast episodes related to that theme for all of you nice, lovely people to listen to. Unsurprisingly, I chose social justice, so if you're interested in some of my favorite podcasts about social justice, make sure you check out earbuds and see what we have gotten up to. In other news, we have stickers! Oh my god, I'm so excited! They're so cute! If you want one, all you have to do is contact us in basically any way possible and tell us something nice and we will give you a sticker. Honestly, even if you just give us some feedback and say you want a sticker, we'll give you a sticker. So get in contact for stickers. We'll send you five if you want them. Um, We're real, real excited. And with that, I suppose it's time to start the actual episode. Ta-ta for now.
1: Hello, darlings, it's Courtney. I have returned from my tropical vacation back to reality, back to work, back to Minnesota weather. I enjoyed myself so much, and I actually listened to our last episode while sitting at a swim-up bar in a pool on the beach in Jamaica, and it was lovely. So while I was in Jamaica, actually, I saw an update for a story that I had been following, If you think back to a few minisodes ago, I shared a story about a group of girls that was kidnapped on their way to school in a village in Nigeria. So this was the 110 girls that were kidnapped by the Islamist extremist group Boko Haram. And if you remember from last episode, Boko Haram is anti-education. And so the girls were kidnapped because specifically they were on their way to school. So as of last week, all but six of these girls have been released. While they were being held captive, they were told to read their Koran. They were given treats if they did so. And upon their release, they were told, do not go back to school, but do read your Quran. So now that these girls are home with their families, many of them have expressed their desire to go back to school, and and their parents have also expressed a desire to send their kids back to school. However, they're scared. They don't want this to happen again. Um, And so everyone's kind of in a tough spot. Um, They don't feel safe enough to return, and yet the desire is still there. So unfortunately, it seems for the time being that Boko Haram has achieved their objective in preventing these young women from obtaining an education. I'm going to give Olivia a an article that I'm referencing from CNN.com that also clarifies or corrects a um, an error in reporting and says that the actual number of girls kidnapped was 111 and not 110. So I'm very happy to hear that these young women have been returned to their families, but sad to realize that for the time being, and hopefully it's not a permanent thing, Boko Haram has a has achieved their objective um, of preventing these young girls from getting the education that they so clearly want and deserve.
2: Hey there, this is Brienne, And for my first segment, Aaron and I, Aaron, my husband, just watch or, or just listen to the audio version of A Day in the Life of Marlon Bundo. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, what did you think of a day in the life of Marlon Bundo?
3: Well, I didn't really know the story that this the, the, it was a parody of of Mike Pence's daughter's book, uh, <laughs> but it, I I think I would have it would have been fun to. I think I need to to, to read the the original, and I think these, the 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 parody would probably be even funnier. Yeah. Uh, but I think I, I still get the joke that I'm sure the book is about a bunny hopping around the the house and it's just about, you know, a happy little experience. But then the parody shows, well, you know, Mike Pence is in this house and he's not as nice as...
2: He's boring. He goes to boring meetings.
3: As his daughter probably thinks he is.
2: <laughs> uh,
3: you know, I'm sure he's very nice to his daughter, but uh he's not nice to other people. And that's what the the, the parody book is about.
2: <laughs> yeah, I thought it was really cute. So I was originally going to do a a segment on A Day in the Life of Marlon Bundo. And for those of you who don't know, this is a book, uh the full title is called Last Week Tonight with John Oliver Presents A Day in the Life of Marlon Bundo. Marlon Bundo, of course, being the real life bunny of the united states the Botus. <laughs> and um his daughter charlotte wrote a book uh that was published under the title a day in the life of the vice president uh marlon bundo's day in the life of the vice president sorry and <laughs> last week tonight with john oliver did a parody where marlon bundo the bunny falls in love with Wesley, the Bunny, and they're two boy bunnies, and they love hopping together, and they decide that they want to get married because they don't ever want to hop without each other ever again <laughs> 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 and this the all all of his bug and turtle and Cat and dog friends are all very happy for them. But there's this one stink bug who says boy bunnies can't marry boy bunnies. And according to the New York Times, the stink bug looks quite a bit like um, (laughs) (laughs) someone very familiar, um, Mike Pence. And it's really great because at the end of the book – spoilers, spoilers – at the end of the book, the – all of the friends of, um, of the BOTUS vote that the stink bug is not the boss of them and he's not in charge and they can do what they want because he's not in charge. I thought it was really cool how, um, <laughs> they kind of sidestepped the, the partisan issue of who did win. <laughs> um, I I don't know who was up against the stink bug for being in charge, but they just mentioned that the stink bug did not win the vote.
3: Mm-hmm. He did not matter.
2: He did not matter. Yeah, that's Which right.
3: I have to think is also saying, you know, the, the vice president is about the least powerful office in.
2: No, the I don't think they were saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think they were saying that, but yeah, it's,
3: I mean, he doesn't really matter until, you know, he has to, you know, Become. cast
2: a deciding vote which right. he's done a couple times yeah <laughs> whatever mike pence so so what do you think uh what did you think of the storytelling
3: well it's been a while since i've read a children's
2: book <laughs> i'm just teasing you off the hook it's okay. <laughs> it is a children's book with a children's story
1: <laughs> yep.
2: um I, I did i like the tempo of it it was very fun we were able to get it on amazon um Audible for a dollar thirty nine. So it's only like seven minutes total, I think it was. Seven or seven or eight minutes, something in there. And it was a lot of fun. You know, they have guest voices on there. They've got John Lithgow and um they've got Jim Parsons as Marlon Bundo. RuPaul makes a short appearance and Jesse Tyler Ferguson's in there. So um
1: yeah.
3: But I I do like the idea that okay, they're 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 putting this book out, you know, in Bookstores and conservative uh, parents are probably buying it for their kids. And no, I just,
2: <laughs> no conservative person's buying this for their kids.
3: No, no, I mean the Pence book.
2: Oh, the Pence book. So I yeah, like yeah, that yeah.
3: sitting right next to it is going to be this book and the, the <laughs> liberal can parents can buy that for their kids.
2: <laughs> That's right. As long as everybody's reading, right? <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: it's nice the liberal kids won't be left out and they'll have a more fun book.
2: There we go. <laughs> All right, Aaron. Thank you for being my unwilling guest. You you were a very willing guest for an unwilling guest. Yes.
3: Thank you for the thirty second prep time. <laughs> yes.
2: All right. So everybody, go read um, Marlon Bundo the the Day in the Life of Marlon Bundo by the last week tonight with John Oliver version. I'm sure that Charlotte Pence's book is very cute. And Karen Pence has actually been um, very classy (laughs) in the face of this. But, um, yeah, I I think I know where I'd rather spend my money.
3: I'm sure Charlotte Pence is not a hateful person.
2: (laughs) I'm sure not. She's a little girl, Aaron. She's a
3: little girl. And someday she'll see the bigger world.
2: And she'll get to see Marlon Bundo's other life. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Okay, well, that's it. Thank you very much. Ah, hey, babies.
0: I've been listening to too much Hello from the Magic Tavern. And if you don't listen to that, that'll sound like some weird thing I just did for no reason. So I am on my own in terms of topic choice today, which means that I have picked two things that are... Pretty personally relevant for me, unsurprisingly, which means that I'm going to be talking a lot about disability today. Also, unsurprising. If you don't know that I like to talk about disability a lot, it's probably your first time listening, in which case, hello, welcome. So excited to have you. Uh, Hope you like it. So, my first topic is related to the March for Our Lives, which I believe Courtney may have already touched on a little bit earlier in the episode, but I would like to touch on one particular element of it that is in many ways specifically related to disability, but can be related to all kinds of things. So this past weekend on March 24th, um, hundreds of thousands of participants in DC and across the country, my cat is jumping all over the desk and I really apologize for any noises. Anyway, hundreds of thousands of participants uh, came together for marches across the country to protest gun violence and to promote more research, more laws, more gun control, and really just some sort of response to the epidemic of gun violence in our country. It was really impressive. There were many amazing young speakers. There was a wide diversity of speakers. And I think it is one of the coolest marches that has happened in recent memory. Probably the other main one being the Women's March. Um I have been to a few marches in my life, and I can highly recommend them if you are the kind of person who likes being around a lot of people who are all united around a common cause. It's really pretty easy to find them. You can search Facebook for local marches. They're often groups. So if it's your jam, I would say do it. But I did not go. So why is that? Why am I sitting here saying marches are great? It's great to get out there and show people that we Are all standing up for the same cause, but then I don't go. Well, I can tell you that in many ways I do feel guilty and hypocritical about it. Um, I feel like that I am not standing up for my values and like I'm not participating in the ways that I should be. But it's also true that marching in the streets isn't exactly what one would call accessible. And that's not just for people who have mobility related disabilities, Uh, people who struggle with crowds, strangers, noise, unpredictability, I end up completely drained and exhausted every time I go out to a protest or a march. Um, It hurts me the most because I see people who are disabled erased from even the most intersectional events. Um, And so I choose not to go to marches because I know that the fallout for me takes so long that it would take away from other things that I want to be doing. So I know that we've talked before on this podcast about the fact that there's not just one way to be an activist, that you can do different things and still make a difference. It's tough to feel like that's true when you're watching from the sidelines. I could have made it happen. I had the ability to make the transportation happen. I had the time, but it would have really impacted me. And just because I didn't do this one thing doesn't mean I can't do other things. In that time, I've recorded this podcast. I've written a blog. I've talked personally to different people and supported them. Um, I started a Facebook group for social justice podcasts last month. So there are a lot of things that I'm doing in other ways. Uh, and it's, there, there are so many different ways that you can impact the world. Um, it's impossible to do all of them so you don't need to shame yourself if there's one that you miss that being said i do recommend that all of you listening do something uh there's always something that everybody can do whether that's talking to friends family members supporting those people who are out on the front lines writing articles hosting a podcast about social justice there's so many ways that you can be involved in the movements that you care about so this is just your reminder your periodic reminder that even when there are big things happening in the streets and it seems like that's the one place you need to be, there are options.
1: So how about some good news? I'm ready for some good news. One of the bummers about being in Jamaica, and I know I said this is good news, but it really is. One of the bummers about being in Jamaica is that I missed the March for Our Lives, and I was very disappointed that I couldn't participate because I was out of the country. But as soon as I got back, I started eagerly gobbling up as much as I could about this amazing event. And I have to say that these young people are pretty goddamn impressive. Can we please... Please talk about Naomi Waddler. I think her name is Waddler. I actually have not been able to hear it in person, even though I did search for about 30 minutes. So I'm really sorry if I fucked that up. But in any case, she is 11 and she kicks total ass. This young woman gave one of the most eloquent speeches I have ever heard. And did I mention she's 11? 11. So to quote Ms. Naomi here, I'm here to acknowledge and represent the African-American girls whose stories don't make the front page of every national newspaper, whose stories don't lead on the evening news. I represent the African-American women who are victims of gun violence, who are simply statistics instead of vibrant, beautiful girls full of potential. I mean, I'm just rereading the words and I have chills. That's so fucking amazing. Mm -hmm. Naomi then went on to speak the names of three young black women who were shot and killed as a result of gun violence. Cortland Arrington, Hadia Pendleton, and Tiana Thompson. At the end of her speech... Naomi reminded us that in just seven short years, she too will have the right to vote. And all I can say is, God damn right you will. I can't fucking wait. I feel like such a crusty old lady when I tell this story or when I'm telling you this story because all I can think about is, oh, these kids, they're hope for our future. That's all I can think. And I'm 34, which is, of course, (laughs) like utterly ridiculous. And then I saw some of the things some people on Twitter were saying, which I don't really Twitter, so tweet yeah um they people all over twitter were real happy so um janelle monet says please move out of the way she has it from here thank you and then someone named amy vanderpool we have to wait 24 years for naomi wadler to run for president sigh dude i fucking hear you amy naomi wadler 2042 baby
2: incrementalism with regards to the pro-life movement sucks it sucks it's slow and drags on and is exhausting to fight it's difficult to keep track of like children who've gone too quiet in the next room or maybe it's like a voice in the background something that just kind of fades into everyday life that you don't really think about it's an annoying tickle in your ear it's Dolores Umbridge interrupting Professor Dumbledore in the Great Hall. Pro-life incrementalism has been happening since July January 22nd, 1973. It looks like legal dissents, legislative restrictions on abortion. It looks like voting for pro-life judges at all levels of government. It looks like false compromises offered from conservatives who try to get us to forget that we have the right to abortion. It looks like appearing to support a person's right to an abortion, but making them incredibly difficult to get. See waiting periods, parental consent, running clinics out of business, making elective abortions too costly to be performed in hospitals. It looks like setting up fake health clinics designed to to deceive people about their reproductive health care options. It looks like religious extremists who try to create a culture of shame by standing outside the offices of abortion providers and beseeching patients to not have abortions, or trying to intimidate businesses that provide services to clinics, or harassing clinic workers on their way to and from work." It looks like lobbyists that try to muddy the waters between medicine and politics and legislators who passionately believe that they have the right and the ability to tell doctors how to practice medicine. Incrementalism happens on so many little fronts, and it's really hard to keep track of all the ways that pro-life activists are chipping away at our rights. It's easy to understand why this type of prolonged, often quiet battle can get wearisome for those who try to keep track of the myriad efforts and fight back against them. One thing I can say about our current environment is that pro-life incrementalism seems to be falling out of fashion. Anti-choice activists and legislators have been growing bolder every year. Activists still use obscure and subtle tactics to string bureaucratic red tape around who can perform abortions, where they can occur, how clinics must be built. They still limit the ability of private insurers to cover abortion and mandate condescending Quote unquote counseling for patients seeking abortions, which consists of emotional appeals and false or shady information. And they go for the flashier moves like gestational limits for abortion, bringing women up on criminal charges for trying to get abortion. Um, So, yeah, I'm talking about Mississippi, Louisiana, and Ohio's recent moves. Ohio is the state that brought you the heartbeat bill, which would have blocked abortion after six weeks. And they also tried to propose legislation that would have blocked abortion of a fetus that was diagnosed with Down syndrome. And now they're rolling out HB 565. This is a personhood bill that would ban all abortions at any time during pregnancy with no exceptions whatsoever. That means no abortion even in the case of rape or health of the mother. It would also potentially allow people seeking abortions to be brought up on criminal charges. So from Bustle... I found this article on Bustle.com, and they say, along with banning abortions without exception, the bill would also define a, quote, unborn human as a person under the state's criminal code regarding homicide, murder, and manslaughter. That means that should the bill be enacted, women seeking abortions could be hit with criminal charges and even punished with a life sentence or the death penalty per Ohio law. So this bill negates the protections of Roe v. Wade for Ohioans, and if it were to make its way to a sympathetic Supreme Court, could have the potential to bin access to abortion for all Americans. More from Bustle about the implications of the bill. Reproductive rights activists say anti-choice legislators in Ohio are likely spoiling for a fight. Quote, this bill is written for one purpose only, and that is to make it all the way to the Supreme Court and overturn Roe v. Wade. Uh, unquote. This is Gabriel Mann, communications manager for NARAL ProChoice Ohio. Uh, again, quoting Gabriel Mann, it's meant to be a U.S. Supreme Court case to end abortion across the country. That's why they're doing this. Now, for those of you, and let's be honest, us, who are weary and who may have grown complacent with all the background chatter, who have agreed to disagree with friends or family too many times, who roll our eyes or yell at the radio over the constant barrage of anti-choice bullshit that we see in the news and then change the station, who wins at the thought of writing yet another check to another abortion fund or another pro-choice organization we got to keep it up. It's time to stand up and shake out that ennui. Shake, stretch a little, and remember what we're fighting for. Remember that it's worth it. We're at a really scary time for reproductive rights in our country, and if we have the ability to pick up the yoke again for even a little while, now is the time. One day at a time, one foot in front of the other, blah, blah, blah. Please find a way to contribute in whatever way works for you. Anti-choice sentiment is picking up steam, and we cannot afford to let it go unchecked. Welcome to Olivia's segment number two.
0: Guess what this one's about? It's autism. What a surprise. So I am recording this on March 26th, which means that starting in less than a week, it will be Autism Awareness Month. Boop, boop, boop. Autism Awareness Month is kind of a fraught time for me and for many other self-advocates. I personally don't have a problem with the idea that we should increase awareness, But some people do. They think that acceptance is what we should be focused on. So that distinction might be a little bit um, semantic for some people. But awareness in many people's mind is just autism exists. Here's what it looks like. Acceptance is you should still respect us as human beings. Now, I personally think that we need some level of awareness in order to get a lot of that acceptance because it's really hard for other humans to accept something if they don't understand it. I think awareness needs to go beyond autism exists and it's really hard and talk more about, okay, what's executive functioning? What are sensory sensitivities? What are the different things that autism looks like? So if you're interested in any of those things this April and want to share some of that information for Autism Awareness Month, please do get in touch with us at sssjcast at gmail.com because I would love to share some of that information with you. There are so many good resources out there, and I think that we can do both awareness and acceptance by sharing more information about what it's actually like to be autistic. But the other reason that Autism Awareness Month can be pretty fraught for self-advocates is because Autism Speaks has basically co-opted it. So what's the problem with Autism Speaks? Autism Speaks is an organization that many self-advocates identify as a hate organization. It specifically, in its mission statement until very recently, said that it was looking for a cure, which many autistics feel is pretty offensive because uh, we don't have a disease. We're just different. And... shouldn't need to cure our different neurology. Uh, Autism Speaks also spends a great deal of money on research into causes, which is part of researching cures, um, rather than researching ways to actually support people who have autism. They spread a lot of misinformation and fear. They had a really nasty ad campaign a while back. It was something like I am autism and it was all about how autism is coming for your kid and it's lurking around every corner. Um, So please avoid Autism Speaks this April and please don't share information from them. Um, Their campaign is called Light It Up Blue. So if you see anything related to Light It Up Blue that is in fact related to Speaks and could be raising money for them. And I would really recommend not doing that. There are some great alternatives out there, including the Autistic Self Advocacy Network, the Autistic Women's Network, the Autism Society of America. Here locally, we have the Autism Society of Minnesota. And those are all great alternatives. Um, One other thing that I would mention steering clear of is puzzle piece symbols, which many autistics find fairly offensive because the origin of them was really about there being some sort of missing piece or about autism being a very puzzling disease in some way. And I don't know, we're not a great mystery. We're different. That doesn't mean we're missing something. Um, So there are other symbols out there. An infinity symbol has grown popular recently. Rainbows have grown popular recently. You could also look out for inspiration porn, which is basically when a disabled person gets held up for doing a normal thing. Or when a typical person gets held up for helping a disabled person do a normal thing, but the disabled person gets no recognition. So, there's just a few things that you might see this Autism Awareness Month that you might want to not share. Things that are great include actually sharing things from autistics. Um, giving money to organizations that provide direct services, getting involved in legislation. There is a ton of legislation that's relevant to disability right now, including a lot of healthcare legislation. And if you want to help provide services for people who are on the spectrum, um, advocating for uh, mental health parity and other health services is, uh, it's huge. It's really important for us. So, I am excited for Autism Awareness Month. It's always a super busy month for me. My work plans are annual conference. We're working ridiculously hard all the time. Um, But I think it's going to be good. And I'm going to finish up this segment by telling you about a campaign that was made by autistics in response to Light It Up Blue, and it's called Tone It Down Taupe. And it is a neurotypical awareness project. So they take a lot of things that people say about autistics and flip them on their head to be about neurotypicals. And it's pretty damn funny. So Google that for me if you're interested uh, and do some sharing because it's pretty fucking great. Happy Autism Awareness Month. And with that, my friends, we are at the end of another mini sewed. I hope you enjoyed it. I have no idea what my co-hosts have recorded at this point. It's a complete mystery to me. So, um, hope you didn't fuck it up, Courtney and Brianne. Just kidding. They always share really, really great stuff, and I always sound like a total doofus. So, hope I didn't fuck it up, me, with my cats jumping all over my computer desk and shit. What was that voice? I'm sorry, everyone. Anyway, I think we're about ready to wrap it up. Thank you for listening to Super Serious Social Justice. We... Love having you um, and a super thank you to the vocal fries podcast for giving us a shout out on their latest episode. That was awesome. What the fuck cats? Could you not? All right. That's better. You can find us online, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, super serious, social justice podcast, or SSSJ cast. We are also on Gmail at SSJ at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Um, We would love to hear your responses to any of the things we talked about today or any of our other episodes or pictures of your cats or, I don't know, pictures of something weird you saw yesterday. We're just very lonely and want you to talk to us because we're not with each other this week. So we need someone to share weird things with us. Anyway, uh, thanks as always to Jody for our artwork, to the Kind Red Spirits for our music, and to all of you for being the cool motherfucking super serious social justice Biaches, that you are. That was not a bad word. It was used in an affectionate way, so I get to say it. Anyway, that's all from us for today. Bye!
3: We lit off, fast as hell, 20 federals on our trail, and the guns blazing set for killing. I knew we never make it. So I dropped you off at the depot station and I kissed you once for every pain I felt. Sorry Zell, without my companion. I was doing 90 on the edge of the canyon and the better were moving in on me. They said the would take you dead or alive so you better play ball if you want to survive.